Jesus said, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five of them were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. The soul that on Jesus doth lean for repose, I will not, I will not desert to its foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. Let's pray. Kind and good God, thank you for your word. Give us grace to hear what you have for us today and grow us in wholehearted love and devotion. To you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles and want to follow along, we'll be in Matthew 25 primarily. Jesus, through the parable of the ten bridesmaids, paints a picture for us to look into and from which to glean. This parable is part of a more comprehensive teaching that Jesus is giving, emphasizing that we don't know the hour of his return, and he's exhorting us to prepare and watch as we await for his sure return. He contrasts, Matthew 24, faithful and wise followers, servants, against wicked and foolish, stressing that although both are currently in the mix, at his return, he will separate the faithful from the foolish the wicked from the wise. As I've sat with Christ in this parable, let me share share with you what I see and have gleaned from it, trusting God to encourage you as he has me. Verse 1, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Well, I see a bridegroom first in this picture, coming for his bride. Jesus refers to himself as the bridegroom in Mark 9:15, when asked why his disciples weren't fasting, he said, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? 
The days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. We are in the days that our bridegroom is away from us temporarily. As the bride of Christ, there is going to be a wedding. He will return for us. And as we long for him, in a very real sense, although temporary, we are enduring a fast from his glorified physical presence with us. I also see in this parable two groups of bridesmaids. Foolish and wise are both in the picture. They're part of the bridal party and assumed to be believers. One commentary said the word foolish here meant stupid. We don't say that in our house or when my kids were little, but that's what the commentary said. The designation being that they are carelessly unprepared, they're lax and unmindful, troubling themselves only over present matters in the present moment. So the litmus test in this parable of the ten virgins, ten bridesmaids, for whether one is wise or foolish, is the possession of oil. Not the size of their lamp or its artistry, not their associations, not even that they were called bridesmaids, but whether they had oil or not. Hmm. It says in the scripture that they took their lamps, but the foolish took no oil. The wise took flasks of oil. So we also, in the picture, see lamps. We have lamps. Lamps represent the means by which we take the light of Christ into the darkness. The bridesmaids, with their lamps, back in Jesus' time, were to usher the bridegroom to the bride's house, where he would then receive her and then take her to his father's house for the wedding supper. Their lamps were to shine on the bridegroom, to magnify him with his bride for all to see. The lamps represent for us the various ways that we show the world the love and the light of Christ. There are lamps of evangelism, of discipleship, of serving the poor, of caring for the sick, of giving, of praying, of preaching, on and on we could go. They perhaps are interchangeable. We may carry a certain lamp for a season of time, but based on circumstances or a season of life or crises, we may trade a lamp with someone else or pick up a different lamp. We may, we, we may communicate the light within us in different ways at different times. The lamps are the good deeds we do, the vehicle we use to conduct to the world his light because of our love for him. We also have oil in this picture, the fuel for our lamps. Okay, my slides might be done. I'll see where I am. Y'all, our tech team is tremendous because I turn in my slides so late, it's not even funny. I'm way back here. Thank you, Lee. The slides are the scriptures, 
So I, I won't be reading all of them, but they're there for you. So we have lamps. We have oil. The oil represents our interior life in God, our life of love for him. The source of all our burning lamps is Jesus, by his spirit at work within our hearts, empowering us to love him first and most, and to love others in his name and for his glory. He, the true light of love that shines in our hearts, is the oil the fuel for our lamps. We only have a true lamp if Jesus is fueling it. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, that doesn't mean you can't appear to be doing something, to carry a lamp even, or that you can't hang around those who are truly a burning light fueled with the oil of the love of God. You can do things in your own strength without much, if any, oil. You can have two people doing the same thing, and one is true and one is false. It's a heart matter, and the Lord knows the heart. Well, you might ask, like me, why didn't the foolish bridesmaids bring oil with them? Well, I don't think they had any extra oil. They had only enough for the moment for themselves. Their desire to magnify Christ or to shine light for others was not in their hearts primarily. They weren't in the habit of getting oil. They were really like the people in Matthew 24 earlier in this same teaching that Jesus mentions the people in Noah's day who were easy, busy eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until it was too late and the floods came and swept them all away. And Jesus says, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. These same kind of people will be in the mix. And that's what this parable further explains. People who love themselves, focused on the here and now, and do not prepare for what is coming. Foolish indeed. The wise bridesmaids took flasks, plural, flasks of oil, plenty of oil. Why? Well, I believe they took all they had. Why would you leave any behind if you don't know how long it will be until the, bride, the bridegroom comes? You take it all. And they had oil because they were in the habit of getting oil by doing the seemingly mundane things necessary to get oil. They went to the source for oil. They took the oil they had bought ahead of time with them because they loved the bridegroom and were preparing for his return. They were perpetually getting ready, and being ready was important to them. So how, how do we get oil in our lamps? God said through Isaiah in chapter 55, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, 
Buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul may live. Do you know how to buy without money and without price? You buy by coming to him, listening to him, seeking him, calling on him. You pay for oil with your time and your attention to him. And Jesus says in the New Testament, John 15, Abide in me and I in you. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. The wise buy what is good. They abide, and abiding produces oil. The foolish spend their money and labors on what is not good and will not satisfy in the day of Christ's return. They do not abide and have no oil. They have made their choice, and at Christ's return, that choice will be respected. The door will be shut. You know what else I see in this parable? I don't know where that one went. Okay, disregard this for a while. A bride, the bridegroom, it says in verse 5, as the bridegroom was delayed... They all became drowsy and slept. A delay. I see a delay in this picture Jesus is painting for us. The bridesmaids waited and waited and waited for the bridegroom to come. It was, it was day, then it was dark, and then it was darker and getting darker, and then midnight crept in. You know, delay is hard. It describes this time of fasting that we are in, waiting for Jesus to return. Waiting and watching and waiting some more can incite disappointment, can reveal frustrations when things don't go as we think they should. It's wearying. It invites deeper surrender and relinquishing our agenda for God's agenda. It's humanly impossible to endure delay in our own strength, to watch and to wait. But because of the preparation, the getting of oil ahead of time, those with plenty of oil, though they slept and were drowsy, their lamps still burned. Preparation matters. The oil of love for God was not extinguished in the delay, but not so for the foolish. In delay, we can be tempted to evil. Look back to Matthew 24 again for a moment. Jesus tells the parable earlier in Matthew 24, starting in 45, of the faithful and wise servant versus the evil servant. The faithful wise servant is ever preparing for the master's return, doing what the master asks and expects. His, it's apparent that he loves the master. The delay doesn't distract him. His heart is steadfast, attending to the master's house and serving his other servants well. The evil servant says to himself in his heart, it's always a heart matter, my master is delaying in coming. 
And he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The temptation in delay is to think we have time to spare. We stop cultivating our hearts in love of God. We don't wait on the Lord. We stop watching for his return. It'll come. I know. I have time. And our heart is deceived. It curves in on itself, and our love for the bridegroom grows cold. The self-serving wicked servant ended up an enemy of the master. His false reality crushed at the master's return. He unaware until it was too late, and he was judged. Delay can be either a fire of destruction or a fire of refining. What we do in the delay matters. Wisdom gets oil, grows in love for God, remains faithful. Foolishness thinks there's time, doesn't get oil, and allows love for God to grow cold. But I see also that he is coming, and truth will be revealed. At midnight, the cry goes out, here is the bridegroom, come. Jesus said, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. He promises that, beloved, and he is good for it. He's coming back, and when he does, it will be both a great and a terrible day of the Lord. Have you ever wondered why the foolish bridesmaids didn't realize they had no oil until the bridegroom actually came? They knew they had none to bring with them. They didn't carry it. They were with people that had extra flasks of oil, had to have seen it. Why didn't they see the problem? Where was their personal desire and initiative to have what was required before he came? What is it that all of a sudden makes them want oil? Well, I think it's the bridegroom himself. His true light reveals their false light. His beauty awakens their desire, and his truth reveals their falsehood. As their eyes were opened, realization of their foolishness shows them they're without oil and they're without light. In light, here he is. Now I see. This is the warning Amos the prophet is giving to the people in Israel in our Old Testament reading. He starts, woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. He says, it's darkness and not light for you. Why? You say you want the day of the Lord, but you don't realize how far from the love of God you are, how idolatrous you are. It will be a terrible day for you. Jesus said in Luke 11, your eye is the lamp of the body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it's bad, your body is full of darkness. Be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. The foolish saw the bridegroom coming, and notice where they looked. We see the habit of their eyes played out in that they look to others to meet their need. They look to the wise bridesmaids, bridesmaids with whom they had been hanging around. 
They looked to those who had bought and brought their own oil, and the foolish wanted the wise to give them oil for which the foolish neither bought, brought, or desired until that moment. The wise bridesmaids understood that their oil could not be given away. The interior life in God you have is yours alone. Mine is mine alone. You cannot get from another the love they have cultivated with Christ. The wise paid for oil with their time and their attention given to Jesus. The foolish, make no mistake, had time and they had attention to give, but they spent it elsewhere, not on Christ, not on oil. No one can give you an interior life in Christ. It's yours to acquire. It's free, but you have to buy it with your time and attention. Don't be deceived to think that those who had not brought oil were poor or misfortunate or somehow disadvantaged. No, they were all invited to be bridesmaids, to be part of the bridal party. They all knew this day was coming and what was expected. It was very common in those days for the bridegroom to be delayed. That was not an uncommon thing. They knew they needed to have enough oil to go, to wait, to watch, and then to accompany the bridegroom to the house of the bride and then on into his father's house for the wedding feast. They all knew this. Beloved, there's no excuse for not being prepared. Jesus has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. There's no excuse for not having oil. Jesus is the fountainhead of unlimited supply. And he opens his arms wide and says simply, come, come to me. Come to me when you're, you're sad. Come to me when you're happy. Come to me when you're lonely. Come to me when you're hurting. Come to me. I will give you everything you need. And I see in this picture Jesus is painting for us that there's a time of reckoning. There is a time when the door will be shut. The foolish can fool themselves and others for a while, but there's coming a day when truth will be revealed. Every heart will be laid bare. When he returns, he will judge rightly between the wise and the foolish. And lastly for today, as I've looked into this picture parable, we have a responsibility. We must watch the watching entails both the preparation and the waiting. Part of watching is preparing by spending time and paying attention to Christ in our own hearts, letting him shine his light in us and being present with him so we can know him and he can know us. It also involves hoping and longing and looking for his return. Trusting him to indeed come and get his bride. This is what the Apostle Paul is encouraging the Thessalonian church to remember. They were being persecuted and some of their members had died and they were grieving in this difficult time of delay. Of fasting, if you will. And Paul says, beloved, Jesus is coming back and we are going to meet him when he returns and the dead in Christ will rise and there's going to be a glorious reunion that is going to overwhelm your heart in joy. Hang on. Hope. 
Don't give up hope. And he says, encourage one another with these words. Don't lose hope. He's coming back. That's part of the watching. So how can we prepare to watch and to wait? Well, spiritual practices are so important, beloved. We, We talk about them a lot. They're so important. One that I want to heartily recommend is the examine. It may be new to you. You may be unfamiliar with it. It is indeed relatively new to me. I'm not seasoned in it at all, but I have grown in the last few years to appreciate it immensely because not only does it posture my heart to practice gratitude for the daily gifts and graces that God gives us, but it also helps me to be present to God inviting the Holy Spirit to shine his light into my heart and reveal any area of sin that's lurking that seeks to make my love grow cold. It helps me to be present to God so that I can make myself known to him and he to me, cultivating love for God. I don't have time to expound on it now, but I do commend it to you and would be happy to talk more about it. There's people that know more about it than me in this group, I'm sure, or any other spiritual practice that you're interested in or want to grow in. Whatever disciplines you engage, the important thing is that you present your heart to God and that you be honest before him and let his light penetrate and reveal to you what you cannot see. And those things that maybe are in the shadows so that you can hope for his sure return. Beloved, let's buy oil, lots of it. For when we see him, it will be worth it all. In the day of his return, I want Jesus to say to me, Hi, Joe, I know you well, come on in. And I want him to say that to you too, to every one of us. May the Lord help us to be wise. Amen.